Tune in to the Bridging the Gap radio show, hosted by Pastor Hugh Harmon, live every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Never Had It So Good Gospel 107. Be a part of this challenging but life-changing show discussing men versus males, educational issues, parenting tips, and learning how to be faithful in trying times. That's the Bridging the Gap radio show, hosted by Pastor Hugh Harmon, live every Sunday at 5 p.m. Call in and be a part of the show at 347-855-8867 on Never Had It So Good Gospel 107. Remember, positive communication is the key to success. Powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. This is a 15-minute lunch break with Pastor Hugh J. Harmon here on Never Had It So Good, Gospel 107. This is the 14th episode of our 15-minute lunch break, and I pray and trust that this episode will be an inspiration and an encouragement to those of you listening out there. Today, I want to talk about becoming undone. Marsha rose early on Monday morning. She was excited about the day that lay ahead. She was determined that particular day to change the way others thought of her. It was the first day back from the Christmas recess and Marsha had gotten all that she had dreamt she would have gotten in the way of gifts that year. She had gotten three new outfits, including shoes. Her first semester at John F. Kennedy Middle School had been horrible. She seemed to be able to do nothing right. In her own estimation, she was an outcast who had no friends and she was the brunt of all the jokes. She also felt that she had gotten to the core of why she wasn't accepted by her peers. She felt that it all stemmed from her less than stellar wardrobe. Marsha's clothes downright sucked. Academically, she was on the top of her class. Athletically, she could outrun, outjump, and outthrow all comers in her peer group. It must have been due to her apparent poor taste in clothing. That was her conclusion. So Marsha had launched on a campaign to redeem her appearance and reputation for having wardrobe mishaps. It obviously had worked. Whenever a relative had asked her what she had wanted for Christmas, she had said that she preferred clothes. She was also very specific as to the store and the styles that suited her fancy. Marsha carefully dressed that Monday morning. She worked out every unattractive crease that she could find in the mirror as she modeled outfit number one. She had already planned out how she was going to coordinate each top with the matching bottom and even how she might diversify when necessary to make this good trend last. Finally, she made her choice and shut out the door. She got to school at exactly the right time when all her classmates were disembarking the school bus and she was going to walk by slowly so that they could eat their hearts out. This initial reaction was expected. There was a moment of brief silence from her periphery. She could see both the girls and the guys staring at her. She fixed the swagger just to let them know that she knew she was looking good. She turned her head to wave at her adoring fans. But when what happened next was a lot less expected, she walked just a tad bit too close to the wire fence that separated the playground from the schoolyard. Her new sweater got snagged in a loosely protruding wire unbeknownst to Marsha. As she marched on in deep pride, Marsha noticed that her sweater started to get tighter and tighter around her upper chest as it started to become undone at the ham. But even more troubling was the rising din of laughter, snickering, and giggling that seemed to follow her into the building. 
Her great day was turning into a bad one quickly. Not only was her sweater becoming undone, but also what little dignity she had was undone. Marsha was broken, broken in the face of derision. This was what marked Marsha's experience. Our lives can become undone as easily as a snagged sweater. Our circumstances may be as simple as that described in Marsha's first day back to school or as complex as the quandary that Jacob himself got into. For many of us, being broken is not as impending as Marsha's bout with a bruised self-esteem. Sometimes the episode of breaking can be totally unexpected. One moment on top of the world, the other desiring to be under it. This was the experience of Jacob in the Bible. He was adept at always getting ahead, cheating the system, taking advantage of others. This lifestyle soon led to his arrival in a place of utter disbelief at unrelenting misfortune despite his attempts to do the right thing. The story of Jacob began somewhat as a topsy-turvy situation. He was born second and even in birth grasped onto his twin brother's heel. Jacob, whose name literally meant supplanter, even at birth, seemingly sought a way by which he could displace his brother. He sought a way of which he could come in first. There's something about human nature that inclines us towards selfish satisfaction. Sin has conditioned us to be thoughtful only for ourselves. From the most insignificant issues to the most important ones, we tend to always opt for the path of least resistance to our own comfortability and toward the outcome that guarantees our victory or our eventual reward. As a child, Jacob found himself literally on the outskirts of his father's love. The Bible says that Isaac, his father, loved Esau, his brother, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Isn't it something to be the child who just doesn't add up in your father's eyes? Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. He was a man that was naturally skilled in the accoutrements of masculine pursuit. However, Jacob was a plain man. As we look at Jacob's background in retrospect, we can note a number of factors that serve as a collective premonition of Jacob's eventual season of despair. He was second at birth. He was second in the context of his father's love. He was predisposed or had the proclivity for that which was of little importance in his father's eyes. Jacob preferred the comforts of home, living indoors, working around the kitchen. Jacob looked at his life and saw Isaac's devotion of fatherly love extended to his brother and not to him. He determined that the only way he could come up was to depend on deception. Jacob was coming undone and did not even know it. Are you a Jacob child? Are you the man or the woman born into this world with an inward desire to leave? Are you the young man who sees yourself as a winner, but every goal you go after abruptly ends in failure? Is there a voice deep down inside of you that speaks of great things in you that have not yet been manifested out of you? Maybe you feel that the only way you could get over the slump is if you push someone else out the way. You must you might just be coming undone. The account of Jacob's life gets even murkier when we realize that his mother was a major influence in him developing his character of deception. We can be led many times to make a value and moral judgment against Rebecca because of this new detail about his life. How could this woman who was blessed to even have a child after being barren for most of her life then choose to encourage her child to do what appears to put him in a moral and spiritual dilemma? Rebecca wasn't just trying to move her son to the head of the pack, but rather she thought she was fulfilling the will of God. God is a God of evidential power. He operates in ways that clearly display his glory and his ability to accomplish what he made. God has a purpose behind all that he says or does. 
The Bible says that Rebecca inquired of the Lord as to why the children in her womb were struggling. And Genesis 25 and 23, the Bible says, and the Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people and the elder shall serve the younger. God gave Rebecca a preview of what was to come. He gave her a heads up through a prophetic declaration. I strongly believe that the latter clause of that divine proclamation and that the elder shall serve the younger was what bore so heavily on Rebecca's mind when she encouraged Jacob to deceitfully pursue his father's blessing. Rebecca was one of the mindset that the only way God could perform what he had said about her youngest son was if she gave him some assistance. Isn't that like many of us? But I got to tell you this. God requires no helping hands in the actualizing of his divine destiny for us. As God assembles the acts of our respective lives, we must understand that a word spoken by God about us to others is oftentimes just a mechanism by which God makes others aware of the miracle that he intends to work out in our life. In addition, sometimes a word spoken to you about someone in your life is simply a word that will stand as a witness or testimony to God's ability to make possible what many thought was impossible in that person's life. Anytime God communicates to you a report of someone's impending greatness, especially a person who at all appearances is unlikely to achieve the stature of that report. It is a word designed not for you to broadcast or orchestrate the outcome, but rather it is a testimony to alert you to stand still and see the salvation, glory and power of God accomplish what it will. Have you ever been thrown into a relationship at the urgent of a parent or a friend? Have you done something that you have grown to regret because you were simply operating at the behest of someone who said that they were looking out for your best interests? Our lives can become undone when we attempt to walk according to the wishes of others. The person's intentions may be decidedly positive. They may even truly see where God is taking you. But if their mechanism is corrupt, it also corrupts the outcome. Even in kingdom work, the end does not justify the means. Good ends never come from evil means. The ends may appear good from your one perspective, but from another angle, lives may be affected and damaged beyond repair. Greatness achieved by deceitful means is soon diminished. The source of human error is rooted in human mind's pursuit of self-realization. The propensity of the human mind is to pursue self-knowledge. We have a predilection to being self-made. This passion for creating one's image and for having total control over the reputation that is displayed to the world is birthed in God's original intent and composition for man. The Bible teaches us that in the very beginning, God created mankind in his own image and in his likeness. Image speaks of our appearance and likeness speaks of our endowed abilities. We were created so as to be the manifest image of God in the earth and to be able to work in the earth as he did in the capacity of a creative force. Our inner desire to be self-made stems from this way we were created. God is the uncaused first cause. Man was made in his image and in his likeness. That means that we were not made to be gods, but we were made to be like gods. There's a difference between being a thing and being like a thing. We were made to bring order to disorder and to manage what God has set in motion, not direct the motion, but rather supervise it so that there are no distractions from the divine destiny. As I close today, I want us to think about this. Jacob and his mother, Rebecca, wanted to make what God prophesied come to pass by their own power. The things that he experienced that led to his eventual separation from family and escape from the wrath of his brother was due to mismanagement of a word from God. 
God works through us, but not according to us. We are vessels by which he establishes his good will. But if we get out of his will, he will readily use another available vessel. Many of us think that we have to do the great work of getting ourselves into the place of prosperity. But we should never lose sight and understand of the fact that our experience of blessedness and prosperity that comes with salvation cannot be earned by our works, but comes only by faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 tells us, for by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If God said that you will be great, or he says that your eventual posture will be that of the head and not the tail, he, God, is able to bring that destined position to pass. We must count every setback as a setup for a mighty comeback. This is the 15 minute lunch break with Pastor Hugh J. Harmon. Here, I never had it so good, Gospel 107. And I want you to be encouraged that the best is yet to come. Tune in to the Bridging the Gap radio show, hosted by Pastor Hugh Harmon, live every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Never Had It So Good Gospel 107. Be a part of this challenging but life-changing show discussing men versus males, educational issues, parenting tips, and learning how to be faithful in trying times. That's the Bridging the Gap radio show, hosted by Pastor Hugh Harmon, live every Sunday at 5 p.m. Call in and be a part of the show at 347-855-8867 on Never Had It So Good Gospel 107. Remember, positive communication is the key to success. Powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network.